Welcome to the Electrician's Co-op. I'm your host, Jamie Small. And I'm Rob Russ. Today on the show, we have Michael DeHaan from care to grow Michael founded his business back in 2005 as a financial planning practice with a goal to provide his clients with the right guidance to develop skills and knowledge that will empower them to create their wealth so they can experience financial well-being. Although the business has changed and is no longer a financial planning practice, the goal remains exactly the same. Michael and his team have pivoted to focus on the transformational impact of mindset and awareness on financial wealth and well-being. Today, we're going to find out exactly how he helps clients and how he can help you too. Let's get started. G'day, Jamie. How are you, mate? G'day, Robert. Good, thanks. I'm excited to be <laughs> doing another podcast, man. This is, like the, this is like the radio station yeah, in Cronulla, man. It, mate. This doesn't feel like work at all. When you do something you love, it's just you just go with the flow. It, just makes, it makes it easy, man. You know, some people look at it, they think it's work, and you and I just do it because it's fun. Yeah, it is good fun doing it with a mate and learning more about each other every time and my speaking is getting better and you're making more and more mistakes. I know, I know. We're, we're swapping places there. Something's going on there, but that's okay. It's all good fun. How's business in your world, mate? Yeah, it works really good. We've got a couple of good jobs and um, obviously during the COVID pandemic, which is, we're all in sort of lockdown at the moment, we've had a couple of jobs in the east which have been postponed and the guys don't want to sort of travel out there, but we're practising all this social distancing and masks and all that. We're doing what we need to do to sort of make sure that clients feel at ease. Um, it's tricky times, but like I just put it on my Instagram, we're in it together. And as a team, we're going to work through it together. So we come out the other side stronger and a better company. Does this lockdown really affect you? Uh, it does. Well, out the east, it Eastern does. Suburbs, but, yeah. Um, yeah. I think a lot of guys are more fearful than others about the actual COVID virus and they don't want to go to those areas. And one of the main reasons why, why they don't want to go there is if they come in contact with somebody that may have it. Then you get bloody to, locked up yourself. Yeah, yeah. They, get, they have to self-isolate, which is pretty annoying, but... Yeah, man, just um, we're just sort of chugging along, trying to trying to turn the radios off and just focus on work and having a good team. We're still trained this morning, nice, because um, the train is limited to having uh, nine, including uh, ten, including him. So we all trained together this morning, and no excuses. Just keep chugging on and staying positive. Outside in the rain, uh, well, undercover. It was bloody free. It was one of the. <laughs> I said to the boys this morning, you know, like it was hard to get out of bed, and like I get up at in the. It's got to be in the fours when I got up. It just like it has to be in the fours. Four fifty nine lines in the fours, and I woke up this morning and I really didn't want to go. So I said to the boys, "I turned my phone on and put the torch in my eyes to uh, so really to <laughs> get try, yourself up, oh, try and wake me up." And they're like, "You're yeah. an idiot." I'm like, "Well, I'm surely your body senses some sort of hormonal response to the, thinks that's the sun and wakes you up." So it worked this morning. I got there on time. <laughs> well, anyway. you you're going to kill me, man, because I've been I've been sleeping till like six thirty, seven o'clock. Uh, man, it's like being on holidays or something. Oh my god! Yeah, it feels like midday. I wake up, man. I don't get to work till like ten o'clock, and nobody's around. Like, so what the hell? It's pretty good. G'day, Mick. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Hey, how are you, Rob? Hey, yeah, Mick. Pretty good, man. I'm really excited to have you here on the show to talk about money, finance, mindset, all of these sorts yeah, of topics. I'm excited. They're topics that affect absolutely everybody. Whether you've got a business, you're an apprentice, or you're an employee, it doesn't matter. Money affects every single one of us, and what you do is really important and very necessary in society. But before we get into any of that and exactly what it is you do, let's find out a little bit about your background. Tell us about your background in finance. Background in finance, great question. So I've been dealing with money all my life. So 
I'm going to say 35 years plus, showing my age a little bit there, but it's only in the last three years or four years that I started to look at the behaviour around money. And, and why did I do that is because I started to get sick myself. So I knew money backwards, but I never knew the behaviour, the subconscious around money and the patterns and beliefs that go with it. And I was brought up, uh, four children, single mom, did it hard. We had a lot of scarcity and a lot of self-worth issues within myself. And I found myself, I knew money backwards. I knew how to invest money for everyone. As a financial planner, right? That's what you were. Yeah. Yeah. And I I, I looked after everyone, but not myself. So I was financially stressed, affected my relationships, affected my health. So I went down that anxiety, depression pathway and ended up with uh, prostate cancer and then lost my marriage after 21 years. I'm going, something's got to change, man. Mm. Like I'm just getting sick. And what I didn't understand is that the beliefs and the programming that I had about money, I was self-sabotaging. I was making mistakes that I knew I'd make. I still did them. You did them anyway. Put the family home at risk and I'm going, what am I doing? It made no sense to me, but I, I didn't know how to get out of it. So hence the passion about really coaching people around what are, what's their money story, what's their beliefs, what's their behaviours, how they're brought up with money. It makes a lot of difference, I can tell you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've heard that before, Mick, about how people self-sabotage where you may have a lot of money, but because you've grown up with scarcity, you'll spend that money on things that aren't going to make you money. Is that right? Yeah, no, it doesn't bring you happiness either. Yeah. And, and that's quite deliberate. So people will go out and it's just, I think we spoke about it a bit before, it's very ego-driven. So I can have the best car, the best boat, whatever, but does that bring you joy mm. just because you got that money? So we, we really got this either a scarcity mindset or we want to sort of show up in a way that people look at us and go, well, they must be doing well, but at the end of the day, are you happy? Yeah. Well, I've dealt with a lot of businesses over the years in my IT company and one of the things that I often see is that people are on this never-ending quest for money and it seems like this moving target that they can never pin down and actually hit for some reason. And often people ask me, because you get to know people pretty well, particularly when you're dealing with their advertising campaigns and their revenue models and all of these sorts of things because you see how much money they spend on marketing and you also in the process, understand what their margins are. So I need to know what your margins are in order to understand how to get your campaigns to work and whatnot. And one of the things that I see is a common thread amongst all of these businesses, and I think it's not businesses, I think it's just human beings, that if you've got a bad money mindset, you think that getting money will solve all of your problems. But what it will do is it will solve your money problems. Mm. It won't solve your marriage problems, your relationships with your kids or anything. And I think when people say money doesn't buy you happiness, I just go, oh my God, but it buys me the freedom of the boat that makes me happy, blah, blah. You know, that's all That's all true and, and good. But I think if you pull on that thread properly, money doesn't buy you happiness. What money does is solve your money problem, but it doesn't make other problems go away. Yeah, and true. it's to your point where you, you quote Jim Carrey in a podcast or two ago when you said, I wish every, Jim Carrey said, I wish everyone could be rich and famous because you've got to understand that that's not what makes you happy yeah. and that's not what it is. That'll be rich will solve your money problem. Being famous will solve your lack of notoriety or lack of fame, but you still have all those other problems in your life, the same as everybody else. Exactly right. And that's a really good point you make. And if we look at money, money's energy. That's all I'm going to call it. And people got caught up on, I've got to have millions of dollars. I've got to have a boat. I've got to have a great car. But if you understand money's energy and you want joy in your life, you've got to marry those two up. You've got to work out what joy actually means to you. I, I deal with a lot of clients and around money in particular, there's a lot of anxiety. And they just say, I want to be happy. And I'm going, well, what does happy mean to you? And they find it hard to describe what happiness means to them. What does happiness mean to you, Mick? Yeah, very good question. And I, 
I sat down with my uh, wife and, and we sort of worked out in the next 10 years, and I'll call it the five L's. I'm, the financial planning industry don't like me too much because I'm taking it away from money. So the five L's are where do you want to live? What do you want to love doing? What do you want to be learning? What makes you laugh? And I think the most important one is you watch your legacy. What are people going to talk to you about? And we sat down and did that and it was a bit confronting because we had different ideas about maybe where we want to live or whatever. So there was a bit of compromise, but it was the first time that we actually sat down and came up with a common goal over the next 10 years. And the decisions we make daily are aligned to getting us closer to that goal, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I love it. What about you, Jamie? Do you have a, a definition of happiness for yourself? Well, there's some material things that I really want. Um, I want to be, I want a house that when I come home to, it feels like a resort and I'm in the process of trying to create that right now. And I also, I always say there's no point having the money, all the money in the world if you come home and your missus and your kids hate you. <laughs> so, Which is very common, but very common. It's not only time with your family, it's uninterrupted time. And sometimes when you come home, you get your phone, it's so tempting to just, oh, I'll just answer that. But you just got to put your phone away. I, I know a mate who's a real estate agent from the Sutherland Shire actually, and he makes hundreds of calls a day and he has a container at home. When he can't lock, which is on the side table as you walk in, when you put your keys, you put your phone in the container. Put the lid on it. With the lid on it. And you're not allowed to touch the phone for, say, the first two or three hours when you get home. So then you have uninterrupted time with your family. But I suppose happiness for me is, like I said, the the family home. I want it looking like a resort and feeling like a resort. So when I come home, I feel like I'm on holidays in my own home and I look forward to coming home from holidays to my home because I love it. My kids love and respecting me. My wife obviously loving and respecting me as well. I still want a Lambo and that's not for <laughs> you, Rob. It's not for you, Mick. It's because I want it. Yeah. Um, I want, you know. Good goals Matt, to have, I man. want a Matt White Harley. I love my yeah. my saunas. I got my I got my sauna I've been hanging out for for six months that arrived the other day. I've just set that up. Nice. But I think I think the key is for your goals is have some material goals because I think the thing out school, but. Your goal should be lifestyle orientated. What do you want your life to look like? It might be I work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for example. I don't know, whatever it might be for you, but that's what mine is. You know, yep. I want to choose when I want to go to work. If I want to stay home or take the kids to, to school or take my wife out for lunch, I can do that. I love it, man. It's beautiful because they're beautiful sentiments, what you're describing, because they're not really tied to money. Money is the kind of the vehicle to get you to those things, but you're not saying, oh, $10 million in the bank and all of these things is but, what's going to make you happy. At the same not- time, it kind of does in a way because if I want to work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I need enough money to be able to work Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So and it's not, quite, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. So, um, and the, you need to be able to go on holidays, you need money. To have a Lambo, you need money. And I just love eating. Like I'm not a drinker, so my luxury is eating and I love just going out and eating. I like buying my lunch every day. I like buying breakfast. That's my luxury. Yep. So if I've got enough money to do that, if I want to go on a holiday, go on a holiday. If I want to go to work, go to work and just have whatever I want. Sounds pretty easy, please, to me. They're not like big, giant, outlandish no, things. They're just what pretty- about you, Rob? What's, what are your goals? I've reflected on this a lot lately. I've spent a lot of time out walking and listening to audio books and podcasts and stuff like that and I'm doing a fair bit of meditation, surprisingly. And when I reflect on what happiness means to me, it's the absence of the past and the absence of the future. And when I I could swap the word happiness for peace, I can find peace pretty easily at any moment in my day with a bit of mindfulness where I can feel a little bit worked up and get a bit of anxiety about something, but then I can just like look up at the ceiling or if I'm outside for whatever reason, look up at the sky and I can just think, you know what, 
doesn't matter if I'm 10 minutes late or don't get to that email or don't answer that call and just breathe out like and just be like, yes, okay. Because one of the rules I live by is everything is here and now. Yeah. Like right, everything is happening to you right now. The past, the present, the future is happening to you right now. So if you can find peace in the moment and you don't have to find it in every moment of the day because you've got stuff going on. If someone cuts me off in the traffic, I want to get out of the car and bash his face in as well, just like everybody else. You know, there's no peace there. But if you can find peace in your life and find those moments that you were talking about where you where you separate yourself from work, separate yourself from family and you're by yourself, whether you're reading a book, watching something on Netflix, or you're just kind of relaxing by yourself. I think if you can find peace there and not worry about anything else around you and you're in the moment, I think that's my definition of happiness because happiness also indicates that I have sadness. So I prefer the word peace over happiness yeah. to it like that. It's kind of cool in that sense. What do you think, Mick? Yeah, no, I think you bring up some really good points there. And one thing that I picked up on, something you said, Rob, was around your past because people carry their story, yeah, and it's through their body. And a lot of times we haven't had a great, you know, story, great upbringing, and that's, that's what is. And by no one's fault. Just is. It just is. Everyone does their best, you know. But my parents tried to bring me up the best. I've done that with my children. So trying to create that legacy that you do your best for your children. And it's not always, you know, it doesn't always go smoothly and that's what it is. But accepting that story and you said peace before and it's a great word. So giving that story peace, giving that story forgiveness and just go, this is this what I want the future to look like. I'm not going to carry that victim or that martyr role. I'm not going to carry that baggage. And there's just so many people out there carrying that baggage with them and they're trying to run a business or they're trying to build wealth or they, they want to buy a Lamborghini, it doesn't matter. Um, when I spoke with you about what you wanted, you you came from a sense of worthiness. Mm. That's great because then you're, you're showing your kids that. Yeah. And that's what I want to show. That's that's <clears throat> You're worthy of that. It's not a matter of – it's not ego-driven there. It's just you work hard, you're worthy of that, and you, you still – you come across as humble at the same time. Thank you. So I think that's important. One of the things as talking about kids and, and parenting, as – my kids get a little bit older, particularly my daughter. She's almost 15 now. Every now and – well, it's probably – it's a bit – a while ago now. She would have been 13, I suppose, a couple of years ago. She said, oh, comes over to me all like kind of sheepish and a bit kind of scared to ask and says, oh, can I have $20? And I thought to myself, when she did that, this is a, this is a really important fork in the road as a dad, as her parent. And this is me embedding my values into her for almost the rest of her life at this very moment. So I was really acutely aware of it. And I said to her, Danielle, honey, I never ever want you to come over to me being scared to ask for something, whether that's money, to go out with your friends, to do something, something that you need, something that you want. You need to come and ask. You need to speak up because in this world, you can't live in this world by yourself. You need help. And if you need some money and I've got the means to help you, I'll supply and I'll, I'll help you with whatever you need. All you've got to do is speak up and you don't have to justify anything to me. You don't have to do anything that you think that I want. All you've got to do is ask. And I could see the relief on her face and she's like, oh my God. And now if you fast forward a couple of years, she's sort of like, hey dad, can I have a couple of bucks? Cause I want to go and get a pizza with my friends and I want to do this. And I'll say to her, what do you need? Do you just want a 20? Do you want a 50? What do you want? What do you need? And she'd be like, oh, just 10 bucks. I only need 10 bucks. And she's sort of only asking for exactly what she needs. But I always make sure that I give her a little bit more, like there's a 20 or there's 40 bucks, you know, from the ATM, like cash for her like that. And she's like, oh, thank you. And then I'll see her when we go out. She's got a purse and she's got a wallet. She's got all the change in there. 
she hasn't spent it she hasn't done anything like that with it as well and i always think that it's a really important thing because i look back at what i learned from my parents about what you're talking about Mick. you know you're you grew up with a single mom she did the best she could same as you jamie you had a hard upbringing like that i didn't i had my mom and my dad my dad worked my mom worked and but my dad was like always really funny about it like hey dad can i have 20 bucks to go to the movies with my girlfriend what do you need 20 bucks for it doesn't cost you 20 bucks a ticket costs five bucks popcorn costs three dollars what do you need 20 bucks for well like, just give me 20 bucks man you know what are you making such a big deal about it for but he always made a really big deal about it and i always remember thinking that i'll never do that to my kids i'll never and you know he's just doing what he was doing now, i don't think he had any malicious intent behind it but as a child you're really impressionable and as a teenage boy if like he's resisting me he's creating angst between son and father and you like come on man what are you being like that for and that kind of gets embedded in my psyche, but it got embedded in a good way because it's like that's how I'm not going to be. Mm. Yeah, I'm not well, going to be that. Thing. You can use your upbringing as motivation or as an excuse to oh, I'm like my parents because that's what the way they are, and I am the complete bloody opposite. Wouldn't want to be like your old man. Uh, like I remember back back to what we speaking about before about money, but I remember my my father at one point only at one point earned a lot of money, but was gambling. A shitload and um he was getting like a hundred thousand dollars on dogs like on one race it's crazy man turned over a million dollars in one night on gambling and now he's got nothing and i feel sorry for himself i'm like well all these decisions you've made in the last 30 or 40 years have brought you to this point and i don't gamble at all and i i don't um, <clears throat> and I often reflect with my children about what he's like because then they've never met him and say to him say to the boys i'm like I don't really want you to meet this guy because he's not going to help you in any way whatsoever. He's going to be a negative. It's negative you know, in your life. Stain on yeah. your life. So I don't want you to meet him. So back to your point, you know, with having having rough parents, it's still an opportunity to go in another direction and there's a fork in the road and you can follow their path or you can create your own. So I think that's really important. Yeah. You, know, you've, you seem to have such an awareness around it. And what I find, but there's so many people walking around without that awareness. Yeah. So it's a lot of it's in their subconscious mind. So they're not aware on how they're acting out. Uh, Rob, you said before about how your dad taught you in regard to money, and it was almost control. Mm. So almost, I, I'll give you this, but I want. Well, there's always this sort of negative energy around our money. There's a lot of people that have just put in their subconscious mind. They're on this sort of wheel of life, so to speak. There, and they're just getting through life, whatever that means. Why do you think that is, Mick? Why do you think people are not mindful of those? external stresses if you like because money is a really important aspect of our society it's not everything but it's key to what we do you spend 40 hours a week at a bloody job or you're working 80 hours a week in your damn business and you're doing it what for for the money so that's why i'm doing it because i want to buy things i want to i want a house i want a car i want all of these things but the external stress that it created for you in your life created a serious a serious health problem that nearly cost you your life why do you think people don't recognize that and i'm going to say that if you live your life 95% of it's in your subconscious and 5% is your conscious. That's your rationale. That's your creative side. So if we got that as a stat there, 95% of your life that you're leading is generally from your past, from really not to seven yeah. programs. Yeah. yeah, They become habits and beliefs and behaviours and they're, they're bloody hard to change. Mm. I deal with a lot of clients and there's got to be a lot of trust there because they've got deep-seated beliefs and behaviours. Yeah, it's not just about money. Them. No. <laughs> money just tells a story. It's one of the things that it's crops up. Things, yeah. You start talking about money and it brings them back to their childhood, it brings them back to love, it brings them back to many things, relationships. Um, money, as I said, just an energy. But when you can actually sort of sit down and say, 
they really, there's an awareness, I want to transform, I want to change. But a lot of people get in because they've had it for 20 years. Mm. They've had a program for 20 years and it's a well program, it sort of does what it should do. The subconscious mind, in a sense, is trying to keep you safe. So if you're in this sort of little circle there, that's what it wants to do. You want to go outside and grow and do things in life that bring you joy and and whatever, it doesn't really want you to do it. Yeah. Then go and have a bit of a play, but I'm going to pull you back in. It's not for you. Mm. you know, here's your limits there. We agreed on that, not to seven. That's where you, that's your lot in life. Yeah. And you got to break that. And that's, that's hard. But the, the point is, you can break it. And I've been doing some study on this myself, meet with Dr. Bruce Lipton about how you can reprogram your subconscious. And like they say, from zero to seven, that's when you become who you are because your programs, because your brainwaves are in theta, I believe. Yeah. But the only time when you're an adult, your brainwaves go into theta is when you're waking up in the morning and you're drifting off to sleep. So they say, and I'm I'm sure you got your own version of this, Mick. But as you drift off to, drift off to sleep, your brainwaves go into theta, and that's when your subconscious is at it. The same brain brainwaves as what you are when you're zero to seven. That's and where the auto suggestion sinking, yeah. is. Yeah, that's when things start sinking into your subconscious. Yeah. Do you know much about that? I, oh, I totally agree. No, I, I listen to him a fair bit as well, so yeah. we're, we're on the same page yeah. there. And uh, I, I do practice that. So there's a lot of um, awareness I do just before I fall asleep, before I grab my phone in the morning, which most people do. Yeah. I do gratitude and I, I do awareness as well yeah. and things that I want to change in my life. And I, I do that every day. And it is a discipline and that's what it is. Yeah. It's, um, again, I, I have 35 years of 40 years of baggage. So yeah. changing a habit, um, People wanted to change in sort of 14 days and the research that I've done as a university overseas says it takes 66 days to change a habit. How many people are going to give in? That's a long time. Oh, it's a, yeah, long, it's a long, time. long time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And, and to stay on track and, you know, every now and again you fall off the wagon, that's fine and you, you, you do whatever but get straight back on it. Yeah. And that, that's where you need someone that's got your back. Yeah, yeah. You, well, know, uh, you, you know you can get to those brain waves pretty easily in meditation with practice, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. So because you go through your alpha, your beta, then into theta and then into delta. Yeah. And you can feel when you get into delta because when you've got your eyes closed, you're meditating and concentrating on your breath, there's nothing in your mind and you can't really feel your body. That's the essence of your consciousness right there. That's where the auto-suggestion yeah. belongs in there. That's where the subliminals belong in there. It's actually pretty fun to learn, pretty fun to teach yourself that. It is incredible. But a lot of people aren't aware of it. And I've been – I've got an app called ThinkUp. I don't know if you know of it. And you can actually record affirmations in your own voice to uh, music in certain frequencies. And I looked at it the other day. It was up to 160,000 affirmations I listened to in my own voice. Incredible. I've just I just have it playing in my car. If I'm not listening to a podcast, I have it playing in my car over and over and over and over again, just instilling that um, you know, all these bad characteristics that I've been brought up with are no longer in my head. And it can only do uh, be beneficial for me. But I think an important habit that a lot of people do and they really shouldn't do is the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is pick up their phone and search through social media. I think if you go to the gym in the morning, you shouldn't look at your phone unless you're putting on your music or your affirmations or whatever until you you finish your gym session. That's mm. the hour and a half, mm. no phone. There's a couple of rules you can make for yourself around that that I saw I saw yesterday in Insta actually. It was pretty good. It said, get out of bed within 10 minutes of your alarm going off. 10 minutes? Yeah, within 10 minutes. So if you want to lie there for a moment and wake up, and yeah, right, that, okay. sometimes that would feel like a sleeping for you That's, yeah, if you did that. It's a long time. You know? Yeah, so then you can kind of lie there for 10 minutes. So then get up straight away and then – don't drink coffee straight away, whatever you do. So it's a really negative habit or smoking as well as a really bad habit that people do as soon as they get out of bed. And then no screens, so sweat before screens. So straight to the physical activity and not until you've 
refueled yourself at the start of the day, if that's what you do, like whatever you're drinking or whatever you're eating, then you're allowed to have your screens. So usually that activity is taking you sort of an hour to 90 minutes at very least. Yeah, but really. you times that habit by doing that times 10 years. Massive And difference. your life's going to be significantly better, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's a, it totally changes. Yeah. And, it, and it's just your outlook on life. All these things are interrelated to that money mindset. Oh, it, everything's related to how you're brought up around money, how that affects relationships. And, and what I want to share is that, that people come into a relationship and they don't talk about money. It's almost a taboo subject. So there's, they're coming into an intimate relationship, not talking about money, but everyone's got different values. Everyone was brought up differently around money. And to have those conversations when everything's sweet, okay, and it's all supportive, then you're going to have common goals. And then as, as a couple, you're going to work a lot more powerfully towards that. So it's when you feel as if you haven't been heard, but you haven't spoken up. Yeah. You talked about it before. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So I've never told my truth, but I still feel as if you don't respect me because you're out spending all that money. Yeah. As an example. <laughs> and then it goes and then it starts the fights. And that's why I find a lot of people going, they've got a negative emotions around money because they saw their mum and dad fight about money. They're going, well, if I bring money in my life, all I remember is fights, Negative energy, whatever. It's all completely and subconscious as well. That's the problem with it. Subconscious, and it's yeah. it's changing that, and just saying that relationships, if if they're structured right, and if you have honest conversations, and you do speak up, and you have that sort of financial intimacy, you you've got the same common goals there. So it's pretty magical. Yeah, nice one. Back to the spending. Um, the other day, my uh, wife's credit card, she lost it. Anyway, you know, it'd been gone for a couple of weeks, and she asked me, "What? Why, why didn't you cancel it?" I said, well, the person who now has the credit card spending less than you, so I thought I'd let him have it. <laughs> I just let it go there, let it be there. <laughs> I love it. Nice little uh, joke slipped in there. Hey, Mick, you work with a lot of clients and you've worked with a lot of people over the years. Do those breakthroughs and those light bulb moments still give you a buzz? Tell us about that. I just uh, came from a client. Well, the meeting was at 1 o'clock and there's some breakthroughs, some significant breakthroughs with her actually. And I, one, I was humbled, but... um. I just went outside and just felt like screaming. Yeah, just the joy. Like a woohoo scream, yeah, exactly. not a rah, not a rah scream. Yeah. <laughs> but just the joy on seeing that breakthrough and she's becoming what we call a sort of a, a warrior mindset. So she's taking control, taking accountability of her life where it was that sort of martyr victim. She's had a pretty tough life. She's saying the journey ends now. Nice. Taking control. I love it, taking, man. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, let's take a little break. We'll bring it right back. there rob russ here if this is your first time here at the electricians co-op welcome it's great to have you here and if you're back for more welcome back and thank you for your loyalty as jamie and i like to say we love our repeat offenders here at the electricians co-op now if you like what you're hearing on today's show make sure you share this with your mates who are electricians jamie myself and mick we want to reach as many people as we can with the electricians co-op we want to help more of those people to break through to the next level in their career their business and their life Mick, let's get to some important practical tips, if we may. And it's just going to be a series of questions and maybe you can answer them and maybe we can kind of riff on these as a collective as well because I think it's really important. And everybody, 
goes through these feelings and here's three men on a really blokey electricians co-op podcast talking about their feelings. I think that's important because not a lot of guys tend to do that and uh, people are a little bit worried about what other people are going to think of them. So I'm going to go first here and say, with a question that is, and say, Mick, I'm feeling overwhelmed by financial stress. What can I do? I feel like I've got all these bills piling up, man. No matter how hard I work, I can't get ahead of the curve. I just can't seem to make this work for myself. What is something practical that I could do to solve that problem? And that's a great question. And the first thing people have to understand is the flow of money. So what money comes in and what money goes out. And I actually sit down with people and the first thing I do is just look at the flow of money because it's so simple. I take it for granted that people do this. And um, you can actually look. So they've got subscriptions that they haven't used for two years. They're paying well above on the home loans or they've got credit card mess everywhere. And you can tighten that up and generally save between six dollars to $20,000 a year and you're not affecting their lifestyle. Mm. You're just giving them some power back. So they're going, oh, I didn't even know I could do that. I didn't know I could jump on the phone and ring up someone and save five grand. And they start to feel empowered. They're going, I just, I've got this bill in three months' time. I can afford it now. I'm starting to get on top of this flow of money. I'm starting to actually improve my relationship with money. So is that a problem that people have often? Is they're just paying for things they're not using? Just simple things like that? All, all the time. And they get themselves into a bit of a mess. So their credit cards get maxed out and things like that and they don't know what to do. And I'll, I'll, I'll sit down like, again, banks hate me, same as financial planners, but I'm cool with that. So we'll sit down and renegotiate, go to a bank that's got a nil interest rate for 18 months. Right. Yep. And that's saving them about five ten thousand $10,000 in interest a year. There's a lot you can do. There's, uh, there's mm. always something you can do. There's always a solution. It's, it's just getting over that bit of pride. There's a, there's a lot of um, shame and embarrassment around money. And 50% of the workforce is financially stressed. We've got to learn that. We've got to, money and mental health, we've got to talk about it, yeah? Yeah. They're taboo subjects there, but it's, it's out there. It's rife out there. We're going through COVID. It's increased. We just got to have conversations where people can open, you know, around a barbecue and go. I'm struggling with money. Mm. It's it's actually okay to say that. Exactly right. Yeah, it's actually okay. Yeah. And it's- I'm I'm very open about where I'm at financially and everything going on in my life, and it feels good to talk about it. And usually, if I say to you, Michael, you know, I'm having trouble, you know, with this or that, you'll probably come back to me and go, "Well, you know what? So am I." You can sort of reflect and go, you know what, it's not just me. It's the power of... feel good. And that's when yeah. a lot of that suicide comes in because I think, not that I'm an expert in this, but I think people that are in that dark area feel like it's just me. I'm in this by myself, whereas you're not. There's a lot of people going through all sorts of things. Yeah, you can put your hand up and ask for some help as well. Yeah. Hey, hey Mick, what would you say to those people out there that are trying to look rich when they're not? <laughs> Those people are really bothering me, man. That, that, that bothers me. It doesn't. I, just, I kind of feel sorry for the people out there that are getting these flash cars and their home loans and putting themselves under stress. What would you say to people doing that? I think you've got to be really careful of that. That's a sort of a slippery slide in a sense. So, because you're judging someone else's life. Yeah. And I go back to the five L's where that's your life and. You don't know their life. Mm. You don't know what they've done to get those sort of cars. House, it might have been hard work. It might have been an inheritance or they might have been a lot of debt. Their relationship might be shit. Like you don't know what's going on. And as soon as you try, as soon as I try to be like Robin, I'm going, he's got all this stuff. Um, I don't. And then I'm, I'm looking at what I do have. And again, that gratitude bit is just saying what, what brings me joy. I'm going, do I need a boat? Yeah, I'd love a boat. I'll, I'll, I want to get one. But when you compare to other people, you, you're living their life. Mm. That, that can be dangerous. I'm actually really proud. Um, we've, I've got seven vehicles, 
but they're, they're not worth all that much each because I live I live way below my means and my wife kicks around in like this beat up old 2013 Ford Territory. She can. And I could afford a, a nicer car but mm. I, I just could not. I'm proud of getting in that car because mm. if it gets scratched, gets banged, whatever, I, it doesn't matter. It's not important to me having a flash car, although when I get a Lamborghini it will be. But, <laughs> but, but for now it's not, you know, so I, I, I truly don't understand why people are putting themselves under pressure to finance flash cars and this amazing lifestyle to make them feel important to other people that don't really matter to them i would i would add to that and slightly slightly maybe disagree but sort of agreeing at the same time if you like i think it's really important that you have the things that you want in your life from a a physical and material standpoint if you want a lambo man you should work your tail off to get that lambo there's nothing wrong with that but what you shouldn't do is try and out-Lambo somebody else. Yeah, yeah. You're not getting that vehicle. Make sure you do it for the right reasons. You're doing it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and I'm if I decided that I was going to go and lease a car or get into debt because of some physical thing that I wanted, it better be for the right reasons. And I think part of the problem with the wrong money mindset that people have is that they're trying to keep up with everybody else and they can't seem to get ahead. And what they do is get themselves in over their head in order to try and keep up with everybody else that seems to be ahead for whatever reason. But to your point, Mick, that's their life. So what what are you trying to keep up with it for? It's crazy. (laughs) And a lot of it can be self-sabotage. So a lot of it is that this is a worthiness thing. So I'll just keep out buying things there. I'll buy a boat there, take the kids out there. And they're going, you're the best dad. But they're struggling. Yeah. They've got debt everywhere. So this is if you haven't got done it organically. Mm. They've got debt everywhere. They're just trying to buy this love. They're just saying, I am worthy. Look at me. Yeah. And they want people to look at them in a different way than maybe what they look at themselves. So, again, that's that honesty factory. You look in the mirror, you go, here's where I'm at. I'm cool with that. You know, here's what's important to me. You take away the material things there and go back to the material things. That's fine. But get to know yourself. Yeah. I think everyone likes someone humble as well. Like I, yeah. I always respect that. There's a big guy that kicks around the Shire and I th- he might have one or two trucks, but one of our builders uses him and go, mate, that guy's an absolute multi. He's got properties all around New South Wales. But you look at him and go, what, that guy? Driving around a skipping truck. And I just love hearing <laughs> those stories. Yeah. About, oh, really? That guy's doing well because he, he doesn't look good. Mm. And I think that's the humble part. And that's exciting for me to sort of hear that someone that, Dresses like that and looks like that and drives a truck. He's actually doing better than the guy down the road with the, the developer. The developer where he's putting the skip in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I think being humble. I think that's okay. I think one of one of the other things with money mindset and tell me what you think here, Mick, because I think it's really important to celebrate other people's success as well and don't be pulling people down. If I see a Lambo driving past, I'm like, wow, that is a hot car, man. Totally. I love motorbikes. I love all things material that most guys like, you know, cars, bikes, boats, all of those sorts of things. And I never look and go, how did that guy get that? Mm. You know, some down here at Barnier Bay at, at Mim's Cafe, sometimes I sit down there, go and have a cup of coffee. We'll see you guys there all the time as well. You guys are there more than me for some reason, maybe because I'm always working, I don't know. But I sit down there and have a cup of coffee and sometimes I'm there by myself and you see these like Bentleys turn up and these people turn up and I look and go, it's good to people watch there. Yeah, totally. And you, you sit there on, and on the sidewalk, there's a Merc, there's a Beamer, there's another one, there's something else and it's like, if I count that up, there's like $3 million worth of cars right in front of me. How cool is this place? Yeah. How lucky are we? But I think a lot of people have the wrong mindset about that. They look and they go, oh, these people, you know, what is he? He must be a drug dealer. He's this. They're trying to pull them down. That's that tall poppy thing there. And I think that goes to the heart of holding 
that money that you want in your life and that financial independence you want in your life, you're holding it away from you when you're behaving like that. Exactly, exactly. You're pushing it away. And uh, just to share with you, so we're looking to buy a motorhome and it won't be, it'll be a, a good motorhome because we deserve it. We've worked hard. We want to travel. We're at a space now in our life where we can work from anywhere. And it's not going to be a shabby motorhome. It's going to have a lot of room for us. I get a bit of claustrophobia, so does my wife. So, <laughs> <laughs> so space is really important. It's, got, it's going to look good. Yeah. That's what it is. And we're proud of that. Yeah. Yeah, and you, and you, you should give yourself that opportunity if that's what you want. You should do that for all the right reasons. Exactly right. And if someone looks at me and says you're whatever, that's oh no, Who that's cares? Their that's exactly. their business. There's, yeah. there's no energy. Yeah. I, I don't buy into it. It's got nothing to do with me. Amy, can I ask you, how important do you think it is to re- reward yourself? Like maybe you reward yourself with a motorhome or Such a good question. with a yeah. motorbike because I know often people's rewards are too far in between. And there might be, you know, like say your turnover is 100000 If I get to 200000 this year, I'm going to reward, reward myself with a, a holiday or a motorbike or something. So even something small. How important do you think it is to reward yourself? I'm a big believer in it personally. Yeah. yeah massive believer. And um, even if I walk down the street, I want something. <laughs> I've caught a coffee, whatever. But I, I like little steps there and little milestones and yeah. little rewards. Yeah. And then you get a big milestone there and it's a bigger reward. Yeah. That, that motivates me yeah. um, and I, I think that's important because, again, it, whatever focuses you, everyone's different, but whatever focuses you on, on your goals and what's important to you and gets you there, mm. you should be, one, proud of yourself, but you should actually celebrate. Yeah. yeah well, well, you, it's, it's, it's a further incentive. Now, if at the end of the year your goal is to turn over a certain amount of money and you get there, I'm sure the reward's going to be subconsciously pushing you towards there because you want that bloody thing. You want that motorbike or you want that holiday, whatever it might be. So. I think whatever it takes and at the end of the year you're re- you're rewarded with a holiday, whatever it might be. You're away with your family celebrating, go, babe, I worked hard all the year and this is what we've got on the end of it, you know? Yeah, it's nice to have those things. I- I'm a little bit different to you guys. I just kind of like, uh, I-, I don't actually want for anything. The reward to me feels like an audio book that I bought for 15 bucks and I go, oh, yeah. wow, that seems like, and that wasn't a credit. I actually bought it for 15 bucks. Those little thing. And that learning, that constant learning for me, yeah. like I don't want a new motorbike or a new car and new things like that. You want a Jeep though. I know you want a Jeep. I'm up for a new car because yeah. my car's got 200,000 Ks on it. But if I had this car for another 100,000 Ks, I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever, man. But having a Jeep, I guess, would be a different lifestyle because yeah. I could go four drive and go different places and do different things and stuff. But if I never got the Jeep, I'm kind of like, oh, whatever, man. Mm. Like I'm not, I'm not focused or motivated enough to your point, Mick, to have to go and get that or at the end of the year, that's the reward I'm going to get for myself. I'm sort of like, yeah, the, if I can tap my card and eat and drink and get the things that I need when I need them at the time that I need them for my kids, for my missus, for myself, well, that's kind of pretty like not frugal. I'm not like cheap. I'm just sort of happy. I'm, I guess I'm at peace with where I'm at. And I think that's a... A good way, and but what I see also is uh, to our point in regard to rewarding yourself, it's more around stopping. It's more around honouring what you've done, mm. Mm. and and whether there's a reward there, whatever. But people just say, okay, I double turn over this year, and they head straight down again. Haven't taken a second off. Haven't sort of rewarded. Crazy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they just keep on going. They'll get burnt out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to smell the you've, take the time to smell the roses. Yeah. yeah, you've got to, as I said, honour yourself, honour the hard work that you've done, um, and whatever your way you reward yourself is is whatever, but. A lot of people, as I said, they just got their head down, arse up, working, and then ten years later they're going, 
what, what have I done? What, what was my life gone? Yeah. What was that, it all for? I often yeah. relate the way people live to that movie Click with Adam Sandler. Have you seen yeah. it? Where he's got the remote control and he fast forwards all the crap parts of his, his time <laughs> until he gets the rewards or the good stuff. But in between he's this zombie that's just ruining his life. Yeah. And I, I often look at um, goal setting as that. When I get to when I get you know a million dollars, I buy this house. But in between that, you're like this zombie mogling, yeah. mogling through your life, yeah. and just really not enjoying it. But I think the key is to enjoy the process. Yeah, and the process is working hard, ticking all those little boxes. And at the end of the year, when you get your reward, it's like, wow, how good is this? You know, I've worked all year for this material thing or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, it's a good one. Mick, I've got a, uh, it's a bit of an entrepreneurial question, but I think it applies to any human being actually, because we've all made bad decisions in our life. So if I lack the confidence to make sound financial decisions because of past failings, and often people, another way to say that is I'm, geez, I'm just a bit gun shy about getting into this deal, into this property, into this thing, because I had a crappy experience previously and I made some mistakes. What can I do to overcome that in my mindset? Don't do the investment until you work on your mindset. Yeah, beautiful. So you look at the different archetypes, money archetypes, and there's eight, and two are empowering, six are disempowering. So if you're walking into a big deal or making big decisions around money, with limiting beliefs and behaviours. Uh, you could be a victim mindset or an innocent mindset. I was one of those where I put my head in the sand. If I'm making big decisions and I've got a bit of a self-sabotage flavour around me, I'm not making the best decision for myself or my family. So you've got to go back and go, well, what's my money story? Where, where? And if you're true to yourself and actually look at how you've made decisions in the past, you'll see a trend. You go, I keep doing the same thing every however many years. And then you, you look at your money type and are you going into this deal with a victim mindset um again that's that doesn't support you so it's cleaning that up and if you're aligned consciously subconsciously and knowing where you're going you'll always make the best decision nice so how can you identify that and fix it is there a way to do that at 66 days is it how do you do it in your program but it, it's yeah ideally we do it quicker and it's more the awareness and because i'm sort of coaching and digging a bit deeper quicker but a lot of people initially we need to understand their beliefs and behaviors around money emotions and a lot of times it, it is quite emotional they're going okay this is and this because it's how they're brought up and it's a that's the baggage part of it so then you look at the money story how that's played out you look at where they got these beliefs and behaviors as i call it mirroring and then we look at what they want in life and that changes they, they're going i never because it's subconscious they're going i never knew i was act, even acting this way as a partner i never knew i was acting that way and it's quite confronting and then they go well line in the sand i'm moving forward yeah move it forward I'm moving forward yeah. I'm changing the program. Nice one. All right, last question for this segment here. What is your number one tip when it comes to financial well-being? And I think I just touched on it before, and it is knowing your money type. When you know your money type, you know how you overla- that overlays to make uh, money decisions. And if you look at that and going, okay, well, that's the money type I'm going to change. I'm going to make great decisions. It's, it's pretty cool. How can somebody find out what their money archetype is? They can actually go on my website, so we'll share that later, but they can actually do a free money type. There's not a lot that they get back for that, but for this show I'd, I'd certainly offer that sort of one-on-one 30 minutes because you need to dig a little bit deeper. To find out some more. All right, excellent. Let's take a little break and we'll close this one out. If 
you like what you're hearing on today's show and you want to take it up a notch, then Jamie and I have a premium version of the Electricians Co-op podcast. Over on the premium show, Jamie and I interview other electrical businesses and we find out what makes them tick. We also interview the people and the experts that will help you to grow your electrical business and help you to accelerate your career as an electrician. Come on over and check it out for free at theelectriciansco-op.com forward slash interviews. Mick, as we bump up against 45 minutes here on the show today, we've covered a fair bit of ground, I think. It's been a fun conversation. I just wanted to give you the opportunity, as I like to give all of the guests the opportunity at the end of the show here to add anything that maybe we left out that you think might be really important or relevant. Yeah, one thing, and I think you shared it before, um, men in particular have got to ask more questions. The first question is generally fairly shallow, and that's where we stop. The third question is you're digging into the subconscious. And, and as males, we've got to sort of go down that path. I'm not good at it. My wife's really good at it. So <laughs> she, she digs into my subconscious all the time. Uh, she, she studies psychology. So, um, But if we can actually just ask three questions. So I'm asking you, Rob, and you'll give me a generic answer because it's conscious and you don't want to give too much away. You're a guy. Then I'll ask it a bit deeper. Tell me more about that. And then you go a bit deeper. And then oh, I, I sort of got that. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on that? You got, you're in your subconscious and then you're knowing someone. You, yeah. You're changing someone's life. So... Honest conversations, deeper conversations, we've got to have it. We've got to make a difference. Yeah, important stuff. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the Electricians Co-op podcast and spending some time with us here today. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Well, they can go on my website, which is www.caretogrow.com.au. They can um, look for a free consultation or do the money quiz. I, I strongly recommend people understand their money type and it's, it's free. Excellent. Go and do it. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, as always, just take a little peek at the show notes and the links to connect with Michael and his website are right there. What's your preferred social media? LinkedIn, Instagram? Uh, LinkedIn. Nice one. Yep. All right, we'll pop you a link right there in the show notes as well. Jamie, what's your preferred way to connect, mate? Is, is there a new preference? Is there a way? No, at Pro Image Electrical on Instagram or at the Electrician's Cult, which is our new Instagram page. So please like us. We're up to about 88 or so followers at the moment. So 92. Pretty, 92, well, well done. <laughs> I so took a peek before, yeah. Rob didn't control that, so well done, Rob. And what about you, Rob? How can people connect with you? Yeah, same thing. The At the Electrician's Co-op on Instagram is the best way or just my personal Insta at rob.bruss77. Nice and simple. And ladies and gentlemen, the other way to reach us is via the community and I wanted to invite everyone to pop on over and to join us. It's for free. It's always free. It'll always be free. There's no upselling or anything like that. Over there, it's at theelectricianscoop.com forward slash free. And once again, just take a look at the show notes and you can find all of those links. So make sure you reach out and connect with Mick and follow us on social media. All right, let's close this one out. What have you got for us, mate? What's the, what's the parting comment, the final piece of wisdom today? If the plan doesn't work, change the plan, but never change the goal. Oh, yeah. I love it, man. I need the bull yeah button on my little pad here. I've got to get that in there. Beautiful stuff. Hey, Mick, thanks for coming on, yeah, mate. We look forward me. to seeing you next time, mate. Thanks for having us. Thanks Thank for the time. See you, boys. Bye. Hey, Rob. I don't want to go.